It's the Jeremiah Show with Dr. D. This is the story of my journey. With Franklin, Washington, Jefferson as my muse, I pledge my life, my fortune, and my sacred honor to photograph democracy. These are my visions of America. Good afternoon. I'd like to begin with a question. How do you photograph democracy? And it's this question that's animated my 50-state, 40-year quest to capture the American idea on film. But that beckons another question. How do you photograph an idea? You might liken an idea, if it were a painting, to negative space. You could define what it's around, but you can't define really what's it. And you might ask, why am I so compelled to photograph this idea called democracy? Well, it's because it's the central organizing principle of American civilization. It is our DNA. And it's who we are as a people, and it's a gift we give to each generation of Americans. And it's this idea that has triggered the rise of the common man. But I circle back to my question, how do you photograph an idea? And how do you translate democracy into soaring melodies and thunderous percussion? Well, ladies and gentlemen, and all you common men and uncommon women, <laughs> the answer awaits you. Maestro. Welcome to the Jeremiah Show. We just played an excerpt from Joe Selm's Vision of America. It was a keynote speaker promo video, and it was recorded in HD, and it's just beautiful. I'm actually going to play the video. So if you listen to the interview on YouTube, you can see the video that I'm referencing. And we play it throughout, um, throughout this show. Okay, this is what's so great about that, Richard, what we just heard. The 10 minutes, and how the hell are you doing, Dr. D? I'm doing great. I'm excited about today's show. <laughs> oh, I know. I'm, I'm so excited. This is one of those guests that test my inner, like, they put you to a test. Not, not personally. He, Joe didn't call me and say, you better be really, really, really good. <laughs> but the, he's such 
uh, it's, it's such an honor to have him on, and he's such a prestigious guest. I don't I hope he's not turning red right now, but such a great guest that it makes me and you, I'm sure, uh, the same way, just rise to yeah. to to meet the challenge of having such a great guest yeah. on. He's so interesting. Absolutely. He's so accomplished. And um, I just, I pinch myself that I, we get to do this every day. Okay, so that 10-minute, I'm going to clarify, it's a nonpartisan <laughs> speaker's film. Correct. Is narrated, you probably recognize the voice, by Clint Eastwood and William Shatner. Yeah. Astronaut William Shatner. Astronaut, yes. <laughs> you can actually say that now. Yeah. Yes. And it features original music by Grammy-winning, Oscar-nominated Roger Kellaway. Oscar, Emmy, Grammy. He, he's got an EGOT, right? That's an EGOT, right? All three of those? I believe it Oscar, is, yes. Emmy, he's Grammy. Got, he's <laughs> got a, a Grammy, uh, Oscar-nominated, no Emmy. The Berg, oh, so we're missing one. Yeah, the, Ber, the Bergmans uh, have them all. Um, uh, the As Don Adams would say, he missed it by that much. <laughs> hey, it's not over. Uh, so, so Oscar Emmy Grammy winning lyricist Alan and Marilyn Bergman, famous Alan and Marilyn Bergman, vocals by Grammy winning Judith Hill, and closing song by Ed and Gaia Tossing. Mm. If you haven't figured it out yet, our special guest today is Joe Some, America's photo historian. He's our special guest today. Wow. All right, Joe, uh, Joe, excuse me, now we're friends, I get to call him Joe. Uh, you don't. <laughs> Mr. Some. Mr. Some, is to you. Uh, <laughs> he sent me, his wife wrote a nice intro, at one of his, uh, he speaks all over the country, and, mm -hmm. and I liked this piece, uh, this question. Uh, I can't take credit for it, but it inspired my intro here. How many of you have ever dreamed of getting in your car? to drive across America and visit all 50 states. Oh, wow. I know I have, and I've, I've visited a lot of them, but not all 50, but, I, but I've, I've thought about it as an adult to go back and yeah. do that. But there's one that's going to be a tough one to drive to, I can tell you that right now, but... Alaska? Is, or, no, uh, Hawaii. Hawaii. Yeah, that's a, you can still drive to you Alaska. You drive on a ferry. As long as Canada and, and the U.S. stay friends. So maybe you wanted to travel to America's back roads and take photographs along the way. Well, if you've ever dreamed of doing that, then you are in luck. For On today's show, you're going to experience highlights from Joe's 30-year American journey through his camera lens. Mm. Okay. American open road, the smell of asphalt in the warm afternoon sun, the smell of gasoline. Reach down between my legs, ease the seat back. To me, there's nothing more intoxicating. You, you, you know what line is running through my head right now, don't you? I won't say it, but you know what it is. Oh, God, Dr. D, you, this is a family show. Get your, get your mind. Now, I was going to say, 
I love the smell of napalm oh, in the morning. I thought you were going to say something else no, that I didn't. No, 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 no. Okay. I'll keep it family. Continue, please. The hot air blowing from the engine block through your open window. Oh, wow. Your companion on the leather seat beside you, a bag of sunflower seeds. <laughs> <laughs> your orange Gatorade perspires in your cup holder. Your music is loud. The sun is high. You're on a road trip. There is nowhere to be and nowhere that oh, I would rather be man. than on a road trip. So I started thinking about our first road trip show. It was way back. I had to look in season four in 2019. That broadcast, if you recall, Dr. D, was called Road Trip and the Dreaming Tree. And in that episode, I chronicled my thoughts and my observations. I, I think you, th- you get a perspective on the road that you get nowhere else. When you're alone and you've just got the open highway in front of you and the music yeah. and the air. Um, these observations were gleaned from my road trip from Santa Barbara, California through Northern California, then speeding through beautiful Oregon in less than four hours. Mm. Kids, don't try that at home. <laughs> and arriving at my final destination, which was the Gorge in George Washington to see the Dave Matthews Band. I fell in love and I camped along the Columbia River in the dirt oh, for a three-day Labor Day concert. And we chronicled all that in the, in the radio show. Well, the girl and the love has gone has long gone. <laughs> the music has faded. I've washed off the dirt, but the road is still vivid in my mind map. Mm. That was episode 177, if you'd like to go back. And I followed that up with more road trip broadcasts, season six, episode six, uh, no, episode 258, Christmas road trip in L.A. And then we did another Labor Day weekend in uh, the next year in episode 318. Wow. <sighs> I suppose that being on the road and in love with the road was at first a distinctly American-born phenomenon. From the covered wagons that blazed trails west to the very first Ford and the subsequent roads that sprouted out ahead of its path like thousands of river tributaries, I know that being on the road is also a Higgins thing. Oh, is it? It is. I suppose, and I'm Higgins, Jeremiah Higgins. Uh, yes. In case you forgot I, I, who your host was. <laughs> I suppose that, that it's in my blood, as it was my father's. We spent most of my childhood traveling across America looking for the perfect home to grow up in. We went through California, lived in California, Montana, Oregon, Washington, Arkansas, and Idaho. These are just some of the states that we lived in, and the states that we crisscrossed to get there are too many to list here. My strongest memories are of the gas stations along the way, every few hundred miles, offering cold popsicles, sodas, (laughs) ice cream, road food, and the small hotels with floral comforters from 1960 and neon signs that always were missing a working letter or two. Oh, yeah. I love those. (laughs) But the big big prize, though, was finding that, that... motel <laughs> with free hbo and air conditioning we always celebrated when we found one of those mm. it's been a while since we've taken the radio show on a road trip but that all changes today we're taking our most ambitious road trip yet with joe Sohm, america's photo historian destination you ask yes america all right, I'm going to intro Joe real quick here, and we're going to let him come in and... and uh, Regale us with story. Oh, yes, I can't wait. Who do you think of, Dr. D, when you think of a painter that captured early America so perfectly? 
Uh, Norman Rockwell. Yep. Uh, for me, it was also Norman Rockwell. Yeah. And we talked about the National Geographic yesterday. Who yeah. Our special guest today actually took photos for. Oh. So the National Geographic was one of my first loves, right, as a kid looking at the photos. And the same with Norman Rockwell. He sparked my imagination as well. I would stare at his paintings for hours, studying every brushstroke, every color. When you think of a photographer who also so perfectly captures America, the people, the places, the joy, the pain, jubilation, and what it means in those faces to be an American, well, you think of Joe Soam. Joe has a love for America, an understatement if there ever was one. He's referred to with certain awe as America's photo historian and that he is indeed. Joe has photographed over 50 states spanning three decades. His images have been published internationally more than one million times in his career, 50,000 times a year. And all major print media, TV, internet, and motion pictures. I loved, I saw a photo that Joe sent me of the cover of a John Grisham novel. Um, <laughs> his images, and I'll have to ask, it, it, it's a picture of the Capitol, um, I believe. His images have been published in publications such as National Geographic, Time Magazine, The New York Times, Washington Post, CNN, ABC's The View, and in films like Night of the Museum. His work is featured in President Clinton's book, My Life, and in his presidential library, as well as Frederick J. Ryan's portrait of Ronald Reagan, the great communicator. Also in Al Gore's Oscar-winning film, An Inconvenient Truth, and in NBC's Embassies. He has presented his work with the National Symphony Orchestra in Washington, D.C., the Boston Pops, Philly Pops, New West Symphony, and the Kansas City Symphony Orchestra. He has given talks to over 100 venues across America. I'd love to pull it up and show you this. He, he showed me, he gave me his long resume. <laughs> it just scrolls and scrolls of all the places he's given great talks. In his speaking appearances, Joe explores what he has gleaned during his travels and how he has fallen in love with America. I can't think of a better time to fall in love with America all over again. Can you? Mm -mm. Welcome, Joe. Well, as uh, Robin Williams would say, good morning, America. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we forgot to wake Joe up because my, my, my intro was so long. He just decided. Uh... <laughs> well, what was beautiful about that intro was it brought back memories of my first, my very first solo road trip in 1993, I had ticket, a ticket, tickets. I had tick, a ticket to go to the National Association of Broadcasters Convention held in Las Vegas. And I took Highway 93 up over the dam and, and into, into Nevada. And it just, it, all the, those images kept, came flooding. I had a, I actually had a room, I think at the Motel 6, way off the strip. Did you have HBO? You know what? I think I was too tired. <laughs> but I, I got what you were talking about in, in terms of your experiences. Joe, I, you know, I got to tell you, I think this is fabulous. Although I'm still trying to figure out from Jeremiah, how did you, how did you go to more than 50 states? That's what I want to know. Because we only have 50 of them right you now. You didn't say all of them are a road trip. I see. I got you. <laughs> it's great to have you with us on this road trip. 
Yeah. Um, when you were talking about what one of the surprises uh, separate of my own photographs that I've taken was um, realizing that my father, before I was born, was actually uh, doing the exact same thing that I was with my mother and um, my brother. And they drove from where I grew up in St. Louis, uh, near the origins of Route 66. And before the interstate highway system, they actually drove across the country in 1937 and 1938. Wow. And they went over that dam that you were referring to, Hoover Dam, and uh, on the year that it was completed. That's how I could figure out when he took, uh, took his uh, films. Uh, but uh those journeys must have gotten into my dna because 10 years later i was born and i have later found without ever seeing these films with my father that i went to some of the many of the same spots and took many of the same pictures uh oh, decades wow. later how incredible did, did you put have you ever put them side by side and I, I, I did in some some of these videos that i show simply say by father and son joe Soam and joe Soam. so yeah i'm the third and uh there were th three joe Soams that we know of uh so far well joe's journey to photograph america began with a camera an rv and a credit card and joe i, I think that i love how that starts out that that idea I, uh, that brings so much to my mind here um, but you tell us, if you wouldn't mind, how that three-decade road trip began, um, because you were a history teacher. And then what? Uh, you hung well, it up? All, you hung all that up for the call of the road? or I've, I've had, in, in my lifetime, I've had three primary careers. One, the most fun and uh, probably the least profitable, was as a bass player and a musician. Uh, so I bought my first house in St. Louis. Actually in the center the population center of america jefferson county uh, missouri and and i went from playing music to going to the university of missouri and getting a degree in american history and those two endeavors music and history didn't exactly have a financial element to them. So consequently, I came up with the third one, which was photography, which became a more profitable uh, business concept. And and so uh, later in my life, in early in my 30s, I decided I wanted to integrate all my primary interests in one project that would never be completed and never would end that i could keep going to the well for this information and that was taking american history music and photography and mixing it into one multimedia expression so that's mostly what i've done the photography as i said paid the bills uh and i i fortunately benefited from what's known as stock photography, which was big in the um, late 70s, the 80s, and the 90s, before the inter internet kind of disrupted it. But the way that worked is, I went on the road wherever I wanted, I took whatever photographs I wanted, I brought them back, I edited them, I captioned them, and I submitted them to my agents, mostly in New York, ultimately, uh, in Seattle, in Chicago, in London, 
in uh, Israel, in uh, Munich, uh, uh, in Tokyo. Um, and uh, these images that were taken and submitted to them were then licensed to publishers like National Geographic, Time, Newsweek, which you mentioned, or textbooks or on television shows. So consequently, for example, the book you're referring to, the, the John Grisham book, was one of many happy accidents of me flying someplace, being on an airplane, being seated next to a stranger, and then pulling out their book. And the book was uh, uh, John Grisham's <laughs> book. <laughs> you were sitting next to John Grisham, huh? Yeah, and then looking at it, and I'm going, hey, that looks like my picture, you know, and I said, can I borrow your book for a second? And then there was in small type the uh, uh, the credit for my picture. So I've, I've had that happen many times, including recently, where people will open up a double page spread in a magazine and there's my photograph. So I hope that you're still you're getting checks from those. You just had, didn't notice where they're coming uh, from. <laughs> I I do I do continue to fortunately earn royalties from these images. In fact, the most recent one I got, I'm with this agency now called Shutterstock, and uh, I saw a rather large license sale. And I was kind of curious, I mean, being published 50,000 times a year, I don't really track every one of them down as to what happened. But if you see a, a larger one, you want to know what it is and why it's sold. And so I looked at it and lo and behold, it was uh, uh, the property my wife and I bought in Colorado with uh, in Ridgeway Telluride in that area of Colorado. And it was basically an image that made the uh, uh, San Juan Mountains look like the Himalayans. And it was shot literally on our property with our gate in the uh, bottom part of the view and the mountains in the in the top part. So it was good to see that our property was selling. It, it must be such a trip to see, to stumble across one of your photographs uh, out there in, in the culture, in the pop culture and being used. Let me ask you, we've got to take a break right now, but a um, couple of minutes here, if if you could answer this in a couple of minutes. If you can't, we'll come back on the other side. I, you know, in the beginning there, I talked about what I love about the road. What are the some of the things that you love? Well, I love getting lost because I do it so well. Uh, <laughs> That's a good answer. <laughs> I, like, I like I like to do things I excel at. And, uh, you know, I did the bulk of this journey uh, to capture the the America that I found uh, um, without GPS and without a cell phone uh, and without really uh, just a paper map and that was about it and so frequently if there was a division in the road go right left center it seemed like i always went down the wrong one but down that wrong road if it wasn't a dog uh barking at me or an electric fence electrifying me uh it <laughs> yielded uh, some interesting imagery. Uh, and I kind of figured if they didn't want me to go down the road, what were they hiding? What was uh, something that I could photograph? And and uh, I, I found that often. Mm. Other times I got the barking dog. 
I'm, I'm glad you didn't get the electric fence too often. Yeah. Our special guest today is Joe Soam. Uh, he is America's photo historian. He's the author of Visions of America, Photographing Democracy with a Ford by Paul Thoreau. You can go to his website right now, visionsofamerica.com. While we take this quick break, and we will be right back. But before, Dr. D, you hit that cut button. Okay. Let me tell you about the live show that uh, this is airing Thursday. Mm-hmm. Uh, this Thursday tonight mm-hmm. at 6.30 p.m. The Ventura County Museum, hosted by noted journalist Ivor Davis, is Joe Salm. Uh, America's photo historian. It's going to be Ivor Davis up close and personal with Joe. Joe joins host Ivor for a discussion of his work as one of the nation's preeminent political photographers. Joe's award-winning photographs have been featured in the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, Washington Post, National Geographic, Time Magazine, as well as news outlets such as MSNBC, CNN, ABC, and PBS. This discussion will offer the guest opportunity to hear the insights of two journalists who have covered some of the most pivotal political mo- moments in the last 50 years. Quick quick uh, facts here. Fun facts. Doors open at 6 p.m. In-person members fees uh, may, the in-person members may attend for free. Non-members, 10 bucks. Non-member Zoom, it's also on Zoom. It's five bucks. Check this out. Cool. You're gonna, yeah. Ivor is an incredible, incredible um, uh, journalist, and uh, I can't wait to hear his time with you, the two of you. Okay, we'll be right back. Mr. Restaurant is a tasty new segment on The Jeremiah Show. Host Will Knox, renowned restaurant real estate specialist, serves up a fresh look at the restaurant business. On the menu, celebrity chefs, startups, operators, deal makers, designers, and those are just some of the appetizers. Look for all of Mr. Restaurant's shows. Tell your smart speaker to play The Jeremiah Show, Mr. Restaurant. Hi, I'm Shadow Stevens. While I'm doing this and that and the other thing at the very same time, I'm having a great time on The Jeremiah Show, the greatest show in the history of the world. For the love of God, subscribe. No, seriously, subscribe. Hey, everybody, it's Tim Stack from It's Radio with TV's Tim Stack telling you, asking you, 
to watch the show Sprung on Freevee, Amazon's new free channel. I promise you it's funny, it's got heart, and my shoulder appears in episode three. Welcome, Los Angeles. The Jeremiah Show is now on Radio Candy Radio. Discover a world of emotions, your digital radio. The Jeremiah Show airs 10 p.m. Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. RadioCandyRadio.com. Hi, I'm Mariel Hemingway, and you're listening to The Jeremiah Show. I wasn't born with a camera in my hands, but ever since I can remember, I wanted to be a photographer. By the time I was five, I was snapping so many pictures with my imaginary camera that my father ended up giving me a real one for my birthday. From that day on, I viewed life through a viewfinder. In my hometown, houses had white picket fences. Streets were named after trees and shops had colorful awnings. We didn't lock our doors and dogs didn't know about leash laws. Just outside St. Louis is where I grew up on Main Street, USA. The front door could do with a new coat of paint, but the mat on the porch still says welcome. The mailbox is there, but its numbers are faint. It's a place that you want to call. Welcome back to the Jeremiah Show. Our very special guest today is Joe Soam, America's photo historian. He's the author of Visions of America, Photographing Democracy with a Forward by Paul Thoreau. Check out his website, visionsofamerica.com. Also, Joe sent me a bunch of just amazing photographs, some of his favorite photographs. We're going to create a little photo uh album on facebook with joe with joe's photos so go to my facebook page jeremiah higgins and you can or the jeremiah show and you can uh, check out some of those photos um what are you doing on uh tonight thursday november 3rd already i'm going to ventura you're going to ventura dr d you're going to see uh ivor davis up close and personal with joe so um, should be a fascinating, fascinating yeah. interview. All right, so back to our time together here, Joe. Um, let me give. Okay, so here's one of the one of your. You're so quotable, and I love this. The open road. I, I think this is your quote from one of your speeches. I was listening to open. The open road is what freedom feels like. Oh wow! You. Yeah, I did. I think that's true, and I also wrote it so that. Clint Eastwood could read a a variation of that. But uh, yeah, I think just about anybody, when you get behind the steering wheel and, and you've, um, you know, turned off your cell phone and you just uh, turn off your GPS and start driving. I mean, that does feel like what my idea of freedom is. And I suspect most of your viewers and listeners would agree. This is such a, a question that I, I have a feeling it's more complex for you and your answer is more complex than the question. It, it, it's such an easy question, but why do you love America, Joe, so much? What, how did you fall in love with it as a kid versus as a, a young adult? 
And and then later, as you started this project, this never-ending project, as you say, of photographing the people and the experiences that made up your vision of America, your view of America. Well, I think I've always been interested in, quote, knowing what my purpose is. So we're all born on this planet, and we all feel like we have a certain destiny or purpose. And I felt that to understand my purpose, that it's like looking at the breadcrumbs of Hansel and Gretel on the trail, and you find this crumb and this crumb. And here are some of the crumbs. I grew up literally on Route 66. Hmm. My high school, Webster Groves High School in St. Louis, Missouri, was thought to be the most typical high school in America. And CBS television did a feature documentary called 16 and Webster Groves, of which ironically, I was in one of the scenes in the, the haircut scene because I had a beetle haircut. <laughs> well, we see that didn't go go that well. You know, then I bought my first uh, I bought my first house and I found out it was the population center of the United States. <laughs> then I became an American history teacher and learn more about the foundings of the United States. And it was then that I kind of intellectually woke up uh, to realize that, that, that the. Oh, we've lost your. Was possibly. Whoops. Your audio is breaking up a little bit there. Okay. What if I got no, closer? No, there you go. Yeah. Go ahead and continue. Okay, so I felt that America was the earth-shattering paradigm shift of the second millennium, and that it was a worthy event to try to retell that story. But there are plenty of people that do tell that story. There are plenty of writers and plenty of TV shows. So I thought maybe I best could uh, integrate my passion for America, my passion for music, which was quite developed because I'd been playing uh, professionally from 18 to 28, and uh, my passion for imaging all into one endeavor that I called Visions of America. And um, it started to solidify in 1987, which was the bicentennial of the United States Constitution, and they created a commission in Philadelphia. They gave me an official uh, sanctioning that, as did the state of California. And also, I was asked to produce some major multimedia shows involving music, American history, and imagery for Merrill Lynch that toured the that toured the United States. Did you lose the sound again, or uh, no, no, no? Okay, uh, so so no, you sound it, great. So anyway, um, it's an emerging project, it's an emerging vision, and it's like a well that I can keep going back to because there's always a new book. Mm -hmm. Like John, John Meacham just published a brand new book on Abraham Lincoln and democracy, kind of an irrelevant uh, uh, theme, and I'll probably be uh, looking at that and probably drawing more inspiration. I mean, all the books that are behind me, I've actually read them all. 
And from them, I come up with ideas of what I'd like to see and what I'd like to photograph. And if I photograph it, then I can then in turn share it with others via my agents through stock photography and be, you know, hopefully financially rewarded. Although money has never been my driving force, it's always been my reward for, I guess, quote, doing good by trying to tell the American story in imagery. When you you look at America right now and, and uh, you know, a lot of the rhetoric or a lot of the uh, some things that have turned into violence uh, are they claim in uh, it's because they love America different. And without getting political, that's not this kind of show. But can you love America as we do, as you do, as others do? Without the violence, without that that extreme passion, what's your thought on that? Well, cl- clearly, the United States is politically kind of in a mess at the moment, and it's not the first time we've been there. You know, I mean, obviously, there's other periods, and politically, we've always been, you know, uh, at each other's throat per se. The, the The goal, though, is to you know keep it verbally and not. Uh, physically violent, which it's uh, trending towards. Mm -hmm. Um, But I feel the discussion is being conducted by a lot of people uh, on television, in books, in articles, on the internet, and I'm not necessarily feeling the need to throw my voice into that uh, dispute and argument. And my hope is to give ample evidence in my pictures that democracy does work and it works well enough that the most dominant nation in the world has emerged over uh, 250 years yeah and- i would imagine your photos there are photos that have you had have you had experience where you found someone that's just all wound up or or isn't sure how to express themselves and they they can express themselves through your photo or your photo conveys the feelings that they're feeling. Well, you know, I've had the opportunity of photographing every president or or, um, uh, person of the opposite party that pursued the presidency from Jimmy Carter through the uh, 2020 election. So, I was present for more than I can count uh, uh, presidential campaign events for uh, Donald Trump, for Joe Biden, for Bill Clinton, for George W. Bush, for Dick Cheney, for Ronald Reagan, et cetera. So in, in all of these, I feel like I let the people do the talking because they are. Yeah. And I'm just trying to lens it if that's a verb uh and to put into the camera what i'm experiencing um it's difficult when i'm shooting honestly uh, my right brain and my left brain kind of separate when i'm doing this because uh, my thoughts about america etc are kind of really put to the back burner because I'm either following President Obama or Trump or Biden uh, with a camera 
and I'm jockeying for position amongst hundreds, if not a thousand photographers, they're all trying to do the same thing. So consequently, I'm not really thinking about even what they're saying. Uh, I'll listen to that later. I just want to get a great image of, of the person and in the moment in our history. Great. Well, before we go to break here, one last qu question uh, for you. Why do you feel that America is such a perfect subject for being photographed? Well, visually, it's stunning. I mean, the landscapes rival any place in the world. There are other gorgeous landscapes in places. But uh, w when I show up with a camera, easily, it used to be 60% of the people there at exactly the same location at Mo Monument Valley or Chaco Canyon or, or places, Niagara Falls or wherever, they were either Germans or English. Now, 75% of the people there are Chinese. And furthermore, they used to show up with an iPhone, but before with that, you know, like a, 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 a small Insta, uh, Insta camera of some kind. Uh, but now uh, there are literally, I mean, I, I did a full moon rise over the Lincoln Monument, the U.S. Capitol, and the Washington Monument, where the full moon went from left to right across. It's a once-in-a-year opportunity. And I had to squeeze in there with 50, 70 other photographers. And of the 50 to 70 photographers, not only were the bulk of them Chinese, but the bulk of them were Chinese women with multi-thousand dollar camera setups. I mean, in a lot of respects, they had cameras as good as mine, in a few respects, better than mine. And I was going, gee whiz, uh, these people have traveled from all the way around the world to come to the exact spots that I go to. So I think the proof is in the pudding that uh, the United States visually is stunning. Mm -hmm. The skylines, uh, the people are certainly fascinating. Uh, the activities, um, uh, you know, there's just so much to shoot here. All you have to do is walk out your back door. Joe Sohm, America's photo historian. He's our special guest today. He's the author of Visions of America, Photographing Democracy. It's got a forward by Paul Thoreau. The website is visionsofamerica.com. It's it, transforming to visionsofdemocracy.com, but either one will work. Uh, I don't know if Visions of Democracy works right now, but Visions of America certainly does. And tonight at 6.30, you want to be in Ventura. Um, if you can't make it to Ventura, don't worry, you can watch the interview on Zoom. Uh, Ivor Davis, our good friend Ivor Davis, up close and personal with Joe Soam. Um, Joe and Ivor, both amazing journalists, um, over decades, have a great discussion of Joe's work as one of the nation's preeminent political photographers. Uh, Ivor Davis uh, is a good friend of the show and uh, just a great guy. Let me just tell you a little bit about him. Go to IvorDavisBooks.com, best-selling author and journalist for many, many, many years. Ivor has written wildly on movies, murder, and medicine for the London Daily Express, the Times of London, the New York Times Syndicate, and the Los Angeles Magazine for over five decades. 
he's got his previous books include Five to Die, the book that helped convict Manson, plus the widely acclaimed The Beatles and Me on tour. His personal account of the 1964 Beatles North American tour. He was the only daily news reporter to accompany the Beatles from start to finish. Uh, so check out IverDavisBooks.com. He's a great interviewer, um, great host. And uh, get down to Ventura tonight at the Museum of Ventura County. We'll be right back. We, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, Ensure domestic tranquility. Provide for the common defense. Promote the general welfare. And secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. Do ordain and establish this constitution for the United States of America. Welcome, Somerset, England. The Jeremiah Show is now on Core Radio. Keep on rocking to the core. Core Radio, the Jeremiah Show, airs at 10 p.m. Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursday. Core Radio dot rocks. Hey there, I'm Caleb. I'm Becca. And I'm Joshua. And we, we are Girl Named Tom. Go to girlnamedtom.com to hear more of our music, buy merchandise, and learn about our story. You're listening to The Jeremiah Show. You've been listening to The Jeremiah Show. I am Miles Zuniga from Fastball. Hey, this is Tim. And this is Christian. We're L1011. Hi, this is Ron Sexsmith on The Jeremiah Show. And we're back with The Jeremiah Show. Roads personify democracy. They offer freedom to anyone who takes the time to travel them. Few things are more American than traveling the open road with an open mind, and I should know. I come alive when I'm behind the wheel going someplace I've never been before. I follow the open road wherever it takes me. Across the railroad tracks and out of town I hit Route 66 with all my windows down I'm on my way to places that I've never been before To me and open roads and open doors I pass the old red barns, they've seen it all They've weathered winter snows and felt the rains of fall I feel the wind across my face and smell the summer day the scent of apple trees and new 
river follows where I'm going. Welcome back to the Jeremiah Show with Joe Soam, uh, America's photo historian. It's been a really fascinating conversation. Joe, I wanted to ask you, um, if you didn't possess your gift of sight, what are some of your, your favorite smells that describe America? And I bring this question up because you mentioned it in the speech, and I love some of your answers. I don't, uh, what, are some of the, what are some of the smells that, you, if you had to describe America, that, that come to well, mind? Well, <laughs> You've never been asked that question before, have you? <laughs> ironically, you've uh, asked a question that I can barely answer because my oh, no. uh, my senses of sight and sound are very enhanced, I'd like to think. Uh, but my sense of smell is completely delinquent. Uh, so I don't know what America smells like, but I know what it's I, I know what it's you can do a lot with that yeah. one. Uh, uh, I do know what it sounds like. And so I um that's one of the things that fascinates me about uh, America is uh, what it sounds like uh, when I'm sleeping in my RV and uh, I wake up in the morning and I hear the sound of birds, you know, and I hear the sound of jackhammers and I hear the sound of construction people uh, building things and creating things. And I hear the sound of hot cars, uh, you know, revving up uh, their engine and stuff. So sounds are very uh, revealing. In fact, I separate of this, I went to Kenya, Africa, um, uh, tw two years in a row. And the memorable thing from going to Africa was not as much the wild animals, which were stunning, but was the sound of Africa. Mm. So that I heard. In terms of the smells, um, I might leave that up to uh, somebody else uh, <laughs> to answer. Well, and something that you sent me, one of the films or something that I watched, you mentioned um, apples, you know, like out of an apple orchard driving through or... Uh, I, I think I threw in the smell of a muscle car because I was behind one a few months back, and I just and that yeah, muscle cars I can smell. You know, and then that gasoline, that old old that smell. I, I've oh, missed yeah. it since my teens. Um, how does the act of of the photo photographing that 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 rep that um, relationship, maybe spoken or unspoken, between you and your camera, and the and your your subject spark real conversations throughout these travels. And why do you think that is? Well, honestly, I don't talk too much with the people around me while I'm shooting for one primary reason. Um, over the last five to eight years, my shooting uh, technology, how I do this, has evolved significantly, first from film to digital, but now from shooting stills to shooting uh, 4K time lapse, uh, slow motion video, flying drones, which I've managed to crash and lose. <laughs> 
don't let Joe get your get your drone. <laughs> I've I've crashed in the Mississippi River, never never to be seen before again. I've crashed in the Pacific Ocean, never to be seen again. I've crashed in the oil fields outside of Bakersfield against uh, power lines that took me 24 hours to find the drone. So it sounds my, like, sorry to interrupt you, but I got to jump in right. James Cameron and you should team up on your next project <laughs> and find those drones. <laughs> yeah. Well, I did find my drone, but it was, uh, again, if you've been in Bakersfield in August, oh. you know, uh, it's a little hot, a little bit. Yeah. And uh, it was about 112 degrees, and it crashed on Friday. And then Saturday morning, I realized, although the battery was dead on the drone, it was not the drone that was telling me that I could find it. It was the controller. So the separate device that I controlled the drone, this battery was still good. And it had a written GPS record of where that drone was. So I drove 100 miles back to Bakersfield the next day. I spent three hours looking in 200 oil wells with thorn bushes at their base for my drone. And it would be a little red blinking dot. And you would follow that dot. But you never know, like with the dot, whether you're going this way or going like this. Oh. You know, it's more like a guy with a divining rod <laughs> looking for water. <laughs> and so consequently, I, I thought I'd located it. And I had a picture of the horrible incident, uh, the wire hitting the wire, a spark, and the drone just fell. Well, finally, 115 degrees, honest, not exaggerating, I gave up. And as I was leaving, out of the corner of my eye, I looked up, and it was another oil well that looked identical, but it, I matched it to the picture, you know, going from three dimensions to two. And I looked down in another thorn bush. And there was my drone kind of hanging there like this. I picked it up and it, it was uh, able to fly once I recharged it and um, it got another $650 repair made to it. Joe does, but not, I got that. He does not give up. And, no. and that just tells me that that was one very expensive drone. <laughs> yeah, for real. yeah. Well, and to end that story, that's one of the reasons over the last five to six years I don't interact with other people because there's too much going on. Yeah. You know, like if you're flying a drone, I cannot talk to anybody. Uh, so we can't know? follow you and do an interview while you're flying <laughs> your drone is what you're saying. No. So I got noted, no. noted. So I would have, I, I would uh, be so mad at myself if I went home and I didn't ask you the question. Uh, Clint Eastwood, William Shatner, this film is just, beautiful i can't wait to find it and listen watch the whole thing um beautiful writing from you uh your life story and clint eastwood narrates and chadner narrates how did you how did that collaboration come together well uh like most of us that grew up with star trek all of us were you know drawn to mr shatner's voice uh at the beginning of star trek and so I've actually worked with him three times now. Mm. Uh, the first time in um, 
1975, uh, I produced a multimedia show about space travel. And of course, I needed William Shatner. So everybody in St. Louis, he was a big deal when I was living in St. Louis. I mean, I live in Ojai now, so it's, it's, not, uh, it's not as big around here. But uh, anyway, I got his phone number. I called him up. I offered him uh, an amount of money. Uh, he agreed, and he recorded it. Mm, great. So uh, years went by, and on the 10th anniversary of the Apollo moonwalk, uh, I was asked to produce a large multimedia show uh, for seven days, paralleling uh, Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin's uh, flight to the moon. So uh, for that, I commissioned a guy to write a symphony of man's uh, dream of flight. Uh, so I needed a narrator. So I called up William Shatner. It was sort of like I only had one celebrity, but <laughs> I would save him for when I needed him. So I called him up and did that. So another decade goes by. And then um, it was the bicentennial of the Constitution. And now I had, as they say, OTP, other people, or OPT, other people's money, OT, OPM, <laughs> other people's money. Uh, and uh, I hired Mr. Shatner uh, again to narrate a piece, uh, including the preamble of the Constitution and the beginnings of the Declaration of Independence by Thomas Jefferson. So... Those pieces were done and recorded uh, in really good recording studios in Burbank. Uh, then Clint Eastwood was, um, he's quite the jazz devotee. Yeah. And his favorite pianist is my good friend, Roger Kelway, who lives three miles away from me. And Roger is the Grammy winning. He's won awards in France. He's one of the most phenomenal jazz pianists really in the world. And he's played with, uh, he's played on countless albums, uh, West Montgomery to uh, Van Morrison. Uh, he, he was Tony Bennett's uh, uh, music director. He played with Joni Mitchell. Uh, he's played with some of uh, the legendary jazz greats. So Roger, I commissioned to compose the music. And then at a later point, he said, well, do you want song lyrics? And I said, of course. And I said, who'd you have in mind? And his idea was my idea. Uh, the greatest songwriters in America, Alan and Marilyn Bergman. So uh, fortunately, uh, they were busy people as they always are, but they were so seduced by the imagery in my book that they, in essence, illustrated the pictures in my book and my collection with the lyrics. And as Alan Bergman told me, he said, most people that hire us to write um, uh, song lyrics, we only write one song, like The Way We Were, or The Windbills of Your Mind, or The Theme for Tootsie. Uh, he said, your show is different, Joe. He said, we wrote five songs for you. Wow. So those five songs have been recorded. And uh, then they suggested, as did Roger, well, don't you want a narrator? And I said, sure. And they said, well, who do you have in mind? And they said, well, we think, uh, I said, I think um, uh, Robert Redford would be 
the the voice tone that I would want for this. And Marilyn Bergman looked at me and said, well, we could call Bob, but we don't think he'd be good for this project. And I go, bummer. Why, why is that, Marilyn? You know, and uh, uh, they said, well, he's a good friend of ours, but we think he's too associated with liberal causes and only more liberal than Bob is us. So we think if you got somebody like Clint Eastwood, you could keep visions of America non-political and you would have people from the Republicans and the Democrats and say, well, we may not agree on our politics, right. but we certainly agree on the importance of these visions of America. So consequently, um, uh, Roger called up Clint and to my amazement, one week before our live premiere with the uh, Philly Pops for 17,000 people at Kimmel Center with a live orchestra, Clint Eastwood called me up and said, well, I read your script and he said, I liked it. And he said, why don't you come up to Carmel and uh, I'll record it. So he recorded it five days in advance of the concerts. We were actually in rehearsals in Philadelphia with a full orchestra. Uh, and um, I decided it was more important for me to be in Carmel with Clint. So we recorded him. He did the whole thing in about three hours. And uh, 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 the recordings came out fantastic. And I set that to the music, to the songs. And voila, that's how we have Clint doing the narration. And we played that throughout this entire interview. So every at this point, everybody's heard quite a bit of that, uh, and it's just wonderful. It's just really great. Well, Joe, you're a um, you're one of those guests and one of those people in life that uh, spark uh, spark interest. And I wrote way too many questions to ever get to you unless you spent three days with me like you did with Clint. Uh, so I'll just have to we'll, uh, have to pass the the torch here to. Uh, Ivor tonight, and I'm sure he'll he's got amazing questions for you. Oh, he'll take over. He'll take over, and he'll <laughs> he'll show us us young whippersnappers how it's done. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. So really, really great time with you. I hope you enjoyed as much as we did. Um, the final question, real, real quick. If you have um, an answer for it, uh, this is going to be a hard one, I'm sure. If you had to pick one photo that defined your life, Joe, which one would it be of your photos? One photo that defined. You have, yeah, you have one that's like, like that you're like. I, I have, I think, a favorite photograph, which was taken uh, between Telluride and Ridgeway, Colorado, which is the little the southwest corner of Colorado and possibly the prettiest location in the state of Colorado, which is saying a lot. And I found this location that had the perfect Western cowboy mountains dotted with white snow, a blue sky, white puffy clouds, and all the autumn colors, yellows, oranges, reds, browns, intermixed with uh, uh, cows and cattle, as they say in Colorado, uh, all at the base of it, and all of this is in one image, and I can send that image to you for reference if you like. Yeah, let's but, put that on your album on uh, Facebook so everybody can well, see. Well, I took I took that picture, and um, it 
did change my life and then it was the turned out to be the double rl ranch which stands for ralph and ricky lauren it's ralph lauren <laughs> ranch uh thus uh the logo here and that image ended up uh being so strong that my wife asked me why did you take me to see that spot so i took her to see that spot and uh unlike colorado which where you have to have a subaru i had a prius and i drove the prius into a ditch <laughs> did, you, did you find your drone <laughs> i did not find my drone there but i i was i was pulled out of the spot by a tow by a neighbor and i asked him i said well this spot is so gorgeous is there any property to buy here and he said yeah the property where you're standing and so it was for sale we ended up buying the property and we now have a house in this location and it's called aspen view ranch so that image actually changed my and our life and they gave you the ralph lauren uh, polo sweater there yeah, you go came, you got the uniform came with the property, <laughs> with the property. <laughs> oh that's awesome i love that story all right joe some uh america's photo historian he's the author of visions of america photographing democracy pick up a copy right away it's got a ford with uh, by paul thoreau his website is visionsofamerica.com you can find out all all you want to find out about Joe there and then look at his wonderful, wonderful photos and series. And you can also find that on Facebook here uh, on my page. We're gonna, Joe sent me some personal photographs that he's taken and we're sharing those. Uh, it's been such a great hour with you again tonight, 630 in Ventura, the museum, uh, Ventura County Museum. 630 tonight, November 3rd, hosted by noted journalist Ivor Davis. It's Ivor Davis up close and personal with Joe Soam. Joe Soam joins host Ivor for a discussion of his work as one of the nation's preeminent political photographers. You're going to enjoy the, the rest of the conversation and uh, see how a real expert does it with Ivor Davis. We'll be right back. When America went to the moon, democracy headed for the stars. I followed those stars to the Sonoran Desert to photograph the night sky over Arizona. Here it gets so dark that you can't tell where the horizon stops and where the sky begins. Out of total darkness, I filled my viewfinder with 10 million stars. As a full moon rose over the horizon, I pondered what Jefferson and Franklin might think of our flag flying over the lunar landscape. In some ways, democracy is like space, transcending all boundaries. America's conceived more from ideas than geography. Ideas like freedom and equality transcend nationality, religion, and race. From the surface of the moon, America seems like a sacred place where the world's people live mostly in harmony. In one-eighth of a second, I clicked my shutter and captured 10 million stars and 100 million years.
Jeremiah's top 10 new artist picks on Radio India Alliance each week. The Radio India Alliance is a chart service that allows indie recording artists an opportunity to have chart placements. We don't charge. We support RadioIndiaAlliance.com. Hi there, everybody. This is Ann H. Hey, everybody. I'm Art Alex Hutch from the band Everclear. My name's Danny Dreho. And you're listening to The Jeremiah Show. Jeremiah, you're loved, Holmes. you need help with your restaurant or hospitality business, see how we can help your business at hjlrestaurantadvisors.com. Hey, it's Tim Stack, and having been in show business for so long, I have a lot of really funny friends, and you can hear them all on It's Radio with TV's Tim Stack. That's part of The Jeremiah Show. So listen. Hey, this is Jeff Stunk Baxter. Please open your heart and reach out to a veteran and let them know, number one, that they are loved and respected. You won't give up if they don't give up. And you're listening to The Jeremiah Show. Welcome back to The Jeremiah Show. Our very special guest today is Joe Soam, America's photo historian. He's the author of Visions of America, Photographing Democracy with a forward by Paul Thoreau. Check out his website, visionsofamerica.com. Which do you prefer, analog or digital photography? Oh, by far digital. Okay. There, there's no question. I, um, it's It just uh, has analog photography has a say a, like a dark and a light range of this much mm-hmm. digital is like this yeah and and photography is all about light and um you know you get a lot of shadows deep shadows in film and stuff and in digital it does kind of make it 
look a little fake because something that should have been dark and should have been light, you can bring out so much that it doesn't look like, you know, honestly, digital is better than my eyesight. Well, I, I mean, I, I see things in these digital images that uh, I never saw, yeah. you know, before. Well, I've been in the broadcast business for over 40 years. And of course, I've gone through the the evolution and I took a photo- black and white photography class in college. Uh, and um, I've, I've been through that evolution as well. And I would agree with you. However, I would also say I miss the hands-on processing yeah, that's, that's of, of both the, the audio with the reel-to-reel and a splicing block and a razor blade china marker and splicing tape as I miss the container to develop the film and then to put the negative into the enlarger and, and process it, you know, print on the paper and all that stuff. There's just nothing like that, that tactile, creative aspect to it that that uh that i just i just love but i would agree with you yes digital is certainly superior uh, in well quality. i mean the, the advantage of what you said and what i know mm-hmm. uh is that we've had a opportunity to be in both worlds yeah and clearly you know i mean i'm not blowing off film by any means <laughs> I'm, I, I'm just talking about what i'm what I'm doing now is these time lapses, they're not one photograph, they're 1000 still photographs that are 130 megabytes a piece. Yeah. Well, a thousand times 130. So the, 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 for 12 seconds and 12 seconds, every one of those single images has been processed individually and and so when it runs, it doesn't look like real life. It looks like a fantasy life. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, and I can do the same with the Milky Way. You know, the uh, like over eight hours, the Milky Way will just move across <laughs> the sky. And you couldn't oh. never do that in film. No, no, you you couldn't. You couldn't. Hey, this has just been a joy. I I thank you for being with us. Thank uh, you. Well, it's it's my pleasure too. So you guys are gone. A uh, fist bump. <laughs> <laughs> Come back anytime you want to show something. Joe. That's right. Love to have you back. Okay. okay, Joe. Thank you so much. Okay. Well, thanks. It was a pleasure being with you. Uh, the pleasure is ours. I passed the old red barns. They've seen it all. They've weathered winter snows and felt the rains of fall. I feel the wind across my face and smell the summer day Scent of apple trees and new-mown River follows where I'm going With fields and meadows green and growing I love not knowing what's around the bend For every mile's another friend I know the feeling that my wheels like Because it's just what freedom feels like From sea to sea, from shore to shore An open road's an open door That's what an open road is for 
For the rest of my life, the open road called. Back roads became my friend, but America became my lover. This is comedian Maz Chobrani, and you are listening to The Jeremiah Show. Listen, man. Did you like our soundtrack? Find all of our soundtracks on Spotify. The Jeremiah Show. Look for the black label. As always, a big thanks to Dr. D for making our voices come alive on the airwaves and to our station manager, Les Carroll, for letting us on the air at all. Be sure to check out our very own Richard Dugan, a.k.a. Dr. D, Peabody Award-nominated radio show. Tell me your story every Sunday at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Listeners, we appreciate you and want to hear from you. Please send us your ideas at jeremiah at thejeremiahshow.com or on Messenger, on Facebook, or Instagram. The Jeremiah Show is produced by executive producer Jeremiah Higgins and sound and engineer producer Richard Dr. D. Dugan and me, your announcer, Tony Kelly. Communicate, listen more, and evolve. I'ma put my guns in the ground I can't shoot them anymore That cold black cloud is coming down This is Miles Copeland. Yeah, I just had the honor of speaking to the Jeremiah Show. Who would have believed that little old me would have the opportunity to speak on such a prestigious show? And they even talked about my book, Two Steps Forward, One Step Back, My Life in the Music Business. So it was a great pleasure to uh, be on that show, the Jeremiah Show. I love you. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. 
Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that fantasy points has to offer. That's fantasypoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. Fantasypoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.